I went to Wall Street to get seriously rich, but I didn't get rich. Hollywood Boulevard. I went to Hollywood to be a movie mogul. I didn't become a movie mogul. Washington, D.C. The president and Mrs. Ford have invited us down to Palm Springs. He's been but there. I love the entertainment business. Done and that. Being hired by a company called Carol Co. Pictures. And that. Was the night before Ronald Reagan was inaugurated. And just about everything else you can imagine. I thought of myself as somebody who was a double agent. He knew a lot of famous My people. experience with Orson Welles. How can you possibly hang out with that low-life Frank Sinatra? And now he's talking. Okay. Of that, I was invited to some fancy dinner. This is the podcast, Who the F*** is Roger Smith? In this edition, Orson Welles misses a meal. And I'm listening, and I'm hearing the unmistakable sounds of the flushing of a toilet. Also, the other Roger Smiths, being a movie mogul, and Barbara Herbabsness Streisand. But we begin with Citizen Welles. My experience with Orson Welles came about because the first movie we did on the, for Criterion was Citizen Kane, the, the great one. And we had actually found an, a lost internegative and we'd restored it and, it was in, and we gave a big kickoff uh, press conference at the American Film Institute. And I invite him to attend the 11 o'clock press conference and throw in as a um, uh, whole deal clincher that would of course be my pleasure to take you to lunch at Ma Maison after that. He accepts for the lunch. I think he made it clear that 11 a.m. was a little early for him. Um, but I had, in arranging this, I had to reach him. And he was then living in Las Vegas for tax reasons, I believe. And I call him one day to talk about the arrangements. And um, I, I could tell I had awakened him. And I, and I, and I had called him at 2 o'clock New York time, 11 o'clock Las Vegas time. He said, uh, excuse me, what time is it? I said, well, Mr. Wells, it's, it's 11. Morning or eve or night? I said, Mr. Wells, I think it might be better if I call you back in a couple of hours and be there. And he said, that's a good idea. So I call him back, wait two hours, call him back. And this is a man who is my ultimate hero, the most brilliant genius filmmaker. And I'm listening, and I'm hearing the unmistakable sounds of the flushing of a toilet. <laughs> and it sort of was kind of destructive of my my putting having put him on a pedestal all these years to have to have the mental image of all 350 pounds of him on the john but that was it <laughs> he did not show up at the lunch he canceled at the last minute so the name roger smith is very ubiquitous I yes mean, there are several of you and i'm assuming it's caused some confusion well it caused me when the first time Googling became a thing, maybe 20 years ago, I decided, like most people, to Google myself, see what they said. And I got so bored going through every other Roger Smith and without having gotten to me that I just gave it up until someone said, oh, make it Roger Smith and Variety, Roger Smith and Warner. And then you, and I found it and uh, I was reasonably happy with what, what they had to say. But have you met most of the other famous Roger Smiths? Well, I, I exchanged a phone call with the General Motors Roger Smith, and I met once at a gathering. Uh, and I met Anne Margaret, but I did. But, but Roger Smith, 
I was living, started living in LA in 87, and he was already, this is what, 20 years after Sunset Strip. He was already a recluse. I think he was in bad, he was in very bad health. Um, this, for people who don't know, is a very handsome man who was married to probably one of the most beautiful women in the world right. and gave up his acting career to kind of manage her. Exactly. And was kind of her... Well, I my my connection to him came about because living, as I did at that time, in Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills Post Office. I couldn't afford Beverly Hills. And I had my phone number listed, of course. Well, obviously, Anne Margaret's husband was unlisted. But people would call information to get the number, and they'd get mine. <laughs> and the first five or six times someone called and said, is Miss Margaret there? I would patiently explain, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not that Roger Smith. And so I finally got tired of this. So when the next call came in, I said, that lazy bitch, she's never up before noon and hung up, you know. <laughs> but I did owe it to him that I was always assured of getting a very good table at restaurants when I made the reservation in my name. So there's always an advantage. Um, but it's, um, no, the anonymity of my name, I think my parents thought Roger was more distinguished than it was in the 1940s. It may have been by now, it become more common, but obviously Smith. I was named after my grandfather, who was Reuben Robert Smith, but my mother, thank goodness, didn't like the name Reuben, so I, I was spared that. But it's interesting. I have had a kind of odd relationship with fame in the sense that people hearing these various stories might think that, well, he was some guy who cultivated all these famous people. I don't think that's really true. I sort of just had incredible good fortune to be in situations, whether it was on Wall Street with some of the leaders of those that day, in the entertainment industry, uh, in politics, where I met a lot of really interesting, famous people. And did I make an effort to get to know them? Absolutely. And I, I was thought that something beneficial to learn from them, not to be reflect the reflected glory of their fame and to name drop, but just to get to a point where you had some direct connection and, and learn something. Because I, I learned whatever somebody's special field of knowledge that's what I talk about. They don't want to hear about me if I ask them about themselves in a way that's interesting. I mean, I've learned over the years when uh, we were just talking about Magnolia, the, the uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie. If you t say to somebody, uh, you know, I, I loved Boogie Nights. Okay, he's heard that a thousand times. You say, God, I loved Magnolia, which was a failure. And you've got a friend. They right, right. Um, or Hard Eight, I think, was was one of his first movies. Hard Eight was one of his first ones. Yeah, so that's that. Yeah, yeah I, that. There are I, many I, Roger I, I, Smiths, but we are sitting with, I think, probably the most interesting one, uh, and uh, who almost like Zelig has reinvented himself many, many times. And I find it fascinating that each time has been pretty successful. Was there anything that you did that you failed at? Oh, I would regard myself, and in this case, I probably reflect my wife's opinion as essentially a failure. I went to Wall Street to get seriously rich. I did okay, but I didn't get rich. I went to Hollywood to be a movie mogul. I didn't become a movie mogul. I, I had a lot of interesting experiences and, 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 and things that were both fun and, and, and remunerative. I haven't suffered, but I haven't gotten truly, certainly anything approaching rich. 
But my goal in life at which I've succeeded is to have an interesting life. I am surrounded by interesting, knowledgeable people, whether it's in the art world or the publishing world uh, or, or any various parts of the broad industry called media. I got to know interesting people and I would learn how to elicit from them something that reflected who they were. Not, uh, you know, I wasn't trying to impress them with who I was because probably because it wouldn't have worked, but uh, <laughs> uh, it wasn't tactically smart. I so we have, we, we have Roger Smith to thank for commentary on laser discs, and uh, sometimes it goes awry. Yes, well, when the people who had acquired the company from me and had made a great success of it, they were doing something I wasn't willing to do, which was contemporary Hollywood films that were in competition with the DVD and on Laserdisc. And they had done one of Prince, Prince of Tides, which, as you will probably remember, starred Barbara Streisand. I think she directed it, too. Yeah. 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 And... She's easy to get along with. Yeah, oh yeah, I'll tell you. Um, they sent a copy of the master uh, to her to approve. Well, she didn't get around to it. A couple of months go by and they decided we've we got a production deadline. Let's just go ahead and do it. She discovers after that fact a tiny flaw in the audio that was just unnoticeable, but except to her. She said, you can't release it with that. I said, well, we've manufactured $250,000 worth of product. These people who uh, I feel responsible to have begged that you allow this to go out that way. And what we will do is the future copies will all have this corrected and we will have perfect copies that we will give to the Library of Congress, the Museum of Modern Art, the American Film Institute, so the right way. Absolutely not. And I'm dealing, of course, with intermediaries, not Barbara herself. For the record, could you hear this glitch? And was it really audible or was it sort of something she thought? Was it was a tiny, meaningless little blip of a sound thing. That was an errant sound thing that uh -huh. was nothing that affected the performance. And when I told her assistant, I said, please explain to Ms. Streisand, this is a young company, not well capitalized. If they have to abandon this inventory and then simply toss it out, it may be the end of the company. She said, well, I doubt Ms. Streisand will care, but I'll get back to you. The answer doesn't mean a thing to her. She's, I'm not letting anything go out with my name on it that is less than perfect, okay? That is, of course, totally consistent with some experience I had 10 years later with Ms. Streisand that I was become very good friends with a lovely woman named Rose Tarlow, who was the top interior decorator of Los Angeles, and a very brilliant and talented woman. And she had gotten a call from somebody saying that Miss Streisand wanted to have her come out to the Malibu Ranch to discuss a complete redoing of the thing. And she said, well, of course, I'd be happy to. And she came out there and they, she did sketches. She bought samples of things, et cetera. And, this, and at conferences, this went on for about three months when she sent her first bill 
to Miss Streisand, and there was no action for a month, two months. She calls up and says, "Excuse me, but could you bring this to Miss Streisand's attention?" Oh, you don't understand. Miss Streisand doesn't pay. What do you mean she doesn't pay? I'm a, I'm a top professional. I'm, 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 I don't do this for free. She said, "No, no. You get paid this way. You get to tell people that you are Barbara Streisand's decorator, and that will be worth a lot more to you than the money that you owe her." She said, "Not to me. I will be known as Miss Streisand's ex-decorator happily, and you will either pay the bill or be sued." I laid out actual cash for these items. I don't know whether, in fact, it ever ultimately got paid, but I thought that was so unbelievably fitting. People who rip off people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if none of his stories were about you, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Who the fuck is Roger Smith is recorded in an undisclosed bunker somewhere on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. All opinions are Mr. Smith's own, but everything he says happened because he was there. Bill Bergoli is our producer and editor. I'm Bill McCuddy. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.